Hello, I'm Dr. Shantae, and welcome to Believing Bigger Podcast. This is an exciting series, at least it is for me. Um, I hope it will be for you because this is the run-up, as you know, to like the 100th episode, and we are going to be talking about Job for the next three episodes. And... I'm just going to go ahead and and put you at ease because I know that when I first started reading the Bible, I wasn't the only person who thought that said job. So I just want to correct those of you who are listening that it's not just you. It's not just you. I thought that too, but we're talking about Job. And I want to dedicate this series to the victims of hurricanes Harvey and Irma because a lot of those people in Houston and in Florida and other places have lost everything. And that is very part and parcel to Job's story. You will hear listeners how he lost everything. And I know that especially if you go to church and you've been in that that church circuit for a while, you know, we hear that Job lost everything and then at the end he got double for his trouble. But there's so much in what happened to him in those 42 chapters of Job. I really could spend the next eight episodes on this. So I'm really going to try to do it justice in these three episodes. And so we're going to start with this episode, number 11, which says, when the innocent suffer. So this is the Job series, part one, talking about when the innocent suffer. And so our guiding thought is coming from chapter one and also going a little bit into two. And so uh, verse eight of Job chapter one said, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There was no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And Satan said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. So that is where we want to start our conversation today. And the three things that we're going to be talking about here when we talk about when the innocent suffer is number one, being a victim of your own success. Number two, God controls the parameters of your trial. And number three, it's not about you. So being a victim of your own success, believers, some of you can relate to this because sometimes you can do such a good job on your job that all of a sudden you become the go-to person for everything. Or you do such a good job at that last event that you become the go-to person for every event. Or you did such a good job on this, such a good job on that, that you become a candidate for many other things and it can become overwhelming. Well, what I'm here to tell you is that in this case, Job was such an upright man before God that he became a victim of his own success. And so some of you may not know that Satan has to ask permission to do anything to you. If you are a child of God, there is nothing that does not happen that he does not allow. And so as the angels, it says, the Bible says the sons of God. So some people interpret that the angels of God had come before the Lord. Satan came too. Why? Because 
Satan is still an angel and he still has access. In the book of Revelation, we talk about how he is cast out permanently. But as of this time, he still has access. So he still, as an angel, gets to go and talk to God. And so Job, the Bible says, this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. The Bible says he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So in other words, Job was a faithful servant. And I know that many of you believers, many of you that listen, you too are faithful servants. And despite his riches, he always gave God the credit. So he was a faithful worshiper. He had a lot of things. And this is important because the Bible says, especially in the New Testament, that it's hard for a rich person to accept Christ because they have so much trust in their riches that it's hard for them to to see Christ for the money. And so despite his riches, he gave God the credit. And Job, the Bible says that he prayed on behalf of his children. And so he would often go and give offerings and burnt offerings for his children on their behalf. He said, just in case they sinned, just in case they did some some shady stuff, let me go ahead and, and give an offering, a sin offering on their behalf. And he was the spiritual leader of his household. So that's the man that we're talking about. And so you think to yourself, in a situation like that, why would God offer him up? Because the Bible says, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So if you've ever read or watched the Hunger Games, essentially in this situation, God offers up Job as tribute. <laughs> okay, some people might say he threw Job under the bus, but he offered him up as, as a candidate, okay, for trial. Okay, he offered him up as a candidate for trial. And I want you to know that to whom much is given, much is required. Believers, you listen to this podcast and you've been listening for a long time and there are so many things you want from God. There are so many ways you want him to bless you. You want elevation and you want prosperity and you want more, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like You want all of that. You want all of that. But to whom much is given, much is required. Free ain't free. Blessings have a price tag. And when I say a price tag, it doesn't mean strings attached in that shady loan shark sort of way. But what it means is, is that when God blesses you, it's not just for you. You have an obligation to other people the more that you get blessed. And so you cannot expect as a believer to continually enjoy the blessings of God and not expect the testing of God. Period. You cannot expect bless, bless, bless and think you're not going to get a test, test, test. It just does not work that way. And so you can be doing everything right and still experience trials. Righteousness does not exempt you from hardship. And sometimes we treat God like that. Okay, well, I, I, treat, I treated my neighbor right, and I didn't covet after this, and I didn't cover after that, and I wasn't envious about this, and I had the right attitude and the right spirit. It, great, great. It does not exempt you from trials it doesn't mean that you aren't going to suffer. You could be as good as gold. And let me tell you something. There are some heathens, and when I say heathens, meaning people who do not accept Christ, there are some heathens that are better by nature than Christians are by practice. They're just nice. They're just sweet, okay? And yet, being a, a Christian who practices, okay, all of the righteous things and ticks all the right boxes does not exempt you from trial, which brings us to... 
God sets the parameters. The Lord said to Satan, after he said, have you considered my servant Job? And, and Satan said, well, if you take all his stuff away, he'll curse you to your face. The Lord said, very well then. Everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. So on the one hand, you might be feeling some kind of way thinking, wow, that's, that's how it works. Yes, that's how it works. Every, think about everything that has ever happened to you. Every damnable thing that has ever happened to you, childhood on. And I know that we've been through some things because I know I have. Do you know that every damnable thing that has ever happened to you, everything God allowed, it didn't happen by accident. Somebody didn't roll up and catch God slipping or sleeping because the Bible says that God does not slumber nor sleep. Every bad thing that has ever happened to you, God has allowed it to be so. And you might think, wow, but let me tell you what the blessing in that is. Because he allowed it, it means he controls it. So everything that God has ever allowed to happen to you, no matter what the trial is, God manages it. No matter what the trial is, he controls it. No matter what the trial is, God oversees it. So no matter what way the enemy is testing you, allowing you to be tested, whether it was in childhood or right now, God set the parameters and said, this is the extent to which you can go. God does not allow more than what he feels is permissible more than what he feels is reasonable, more than what he feels you can bear. We say that, right? God doesn't put more on you than you can bear. And I know that sometimes when we're going through things, it doesn't feel that way. Like, huh, really? Really, God? Yeah, you, you, you got you mistaken me because I, this is too much, okay? But listen, even and especially when we do not recognize it, God is setting the parameters of our trial. So here's the thing, folks. The enemy, <laughs> Satan is out for blood. <laughs> he is out for blood. You know, many of us have siblings. And siblings, if you have smaller siblings especially, they can be annoying. And bigger siblings can be like bullies. You know, but when you have sibling rivalry and things like that, they're not really out for blood. They're just trying to jack with you. They're just being a jerk. But Satan's not like that. No, he, he goes for the jugular. So know this. The blessing of God setting the parameters is the enemy would kill you if he could but he can't. Instead, he will flood you with misery to the limit that God allows. His goal, since he cannot kill you, is to kill your faith in God. And here's how it went down for Job. In chapter 1, around verse 14, 15, it said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So one of Job's servants came running to tell him, the donkeys, the oxen, they gone. Like, a group rolled through, a group of, of marauders, of, of bandits came through and stole them and slaughtered the staff, okay? The Bible says that while that servant came to deliver the bad news, the Bible says while he was still speaking, Another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. The Bible says that while he was still speaking, so we didn't have one messenger deliver bad news. Now we didn't have a second messenger deliver bad news while the first messenger was still talking. The Bible says 
Here come a third one. While the second messenger was still speaking, another came and said, the Chaldeans formed their raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And it still wasn't done. The Bible says while he was still speaking. So while messenger number three is delivering bad news, because any one of these things is enough to make you your knees buckle. OK, any one of these things is enough. But while the third servant was yet delivering bad news, the Bible says yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them and they are dead and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Wow. Everything lost it one day. And that's how many hurricane victims, everything lost it one day. A wind came through and that was it. The waters flooded and that was it. This is why the, the governors pressed so hard about evacuation. They said, hey, things you can replace, but people you can't. But some people didn't make it. Some people didn't have the means. Some people didn't have the wherewithal. And so in this situation, Job lost everything in one day. And the Bible says at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Man, you know what? I'm going to give Job his props because I know myself. <laughs> Believers, I know many of you. You wouldn't have took it like a G like that. Okay, Your kids, all your stuff. One day, like literally, you are balling out of control. You got money on money. Your, your kids' kids going to be straight. You got Steve Jobs type money. And in one day, all your money and all your children, everything you have, gone. And you say, praise the Lord. I came in here naked. I'm going out naked. God is good. Wow. I'm going to give Job his props. I'm going to give Job his props. So God sets the parameters. And when the Bible says that he got up and tore his robe and shaved his head, that was a sign of grief. When the Bible says that people sat in sackcloth and ashes, that was a, a symbol of grieving. And so that's a lesson for us. When we're going through, when we hear things that are so devastating to us that we can't even wrap our minds around it, I know that it is not within our nature to be like, well, praise the Lord. It's not that Job wasn't upset, but he immediately had perspective because he knew where his blessings came from. Chapter two. So Job passed the test. You would think, right? Took everything away from him. He passed the test. But Satan is not satisfied. Satan is not satisfied because in chapter two, the Bible says on another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And they have the same conversation. What are you doing? He said, I'm going to and fro. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And, and Satan says, if you made him sick, if you took his health away, I bet you he would curse you to your face. 
And so the Bible says, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Believers, I don't know if any of you have ever been sick or ever been sick continually or ever been sick in so much pain where you thought you would die. In this situation, when I say that Satan's ultimate goal is to destroy your faith in God, when you pass the test, don't think that he's not coming back. Don't think that he's not going to redouble his efforts and come back even stronger than before. This is what I mean when I say becoming a victim of your success. Because in Job, Satan had kind of met his match. In Job, a lesser person would have, have crumbled on, under the first weight of afflictions. But Job, again, he took it like a G. And now his health, now his health comes under attack, which brings us to it's not about you. Believers, here's what I want you to take away from this. Please don't miss this. If you are a believer, you are going to get drafted into battle. You know, we like to go to church. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord, and we just be a clapping and a patting and a patting and a clapping. I'm a soldier, and we got our war clothes on and the whole nine yards. Yeah. It sounds good when you got a tambourine to it, but guess what, brothers and sisters? If you are a believer in God, you are a soldier in the army of the Lord. You have been drafted into battle. It's part of the job. It's part of the gig. You can't want all of the benefits and none of the responsibilities. It doesn't work that way. God does not work that way. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3 through 5 says this, You therefore... You believers, therefore, endure suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Likewise, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. In other words, you don't get to enjoy heaven, the crown of life, all the promises of God, because we like to talk about 12 gates in the city and the streets made with gold. We love that part, but that part comes with some expectations. And the expectations are such that you are going to have to endure suffering, the Bible says, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, okay? And I come from a military family. You think soldiers want to be out there on the front line? <laughs> You're like, well, that's what they signed up for. Yeah, it is. At the same time, nobody wants to go to war, okay? Nobody wants to be out there in the trenches. Nobody wants to see their friends gunned down. Nobody wants that. And yet, that is the nature of war. Brothers and sisters, you are a soldier in the army of the Lord. And if you don't know by now, we are at war. Think about the times that we live in. These are some terrible times. We are living, I believe, truly in the last days. Things that you would never, never think that you would see in your lifetime. And you're like, what? And every time you turn around on one news story, here come another news story and you just can't believe it. I mean, it just gets worse and worse. That's not by accident. Why? Because Satan's time is almost up. So now it's a full court press and you don't get credit for draft dodging. If you are a believer in Christ, you know, this ain't like in the 60s and 70s in Vietnam. Well, I'm gonna just run to Canada and wait this out. No, <laughs> I wish 
I could just run somewhere and wait out the trials, but it doesn't work that way. Okay. It doesn't work that way. If you are going to share Christ's glory, the Bible says you will also share in his suffering because you are an enemy of the devil and the world. And I know that these are the times that really test our faith. These are the types of things that make you want to reevaluate your membership in the kingdom. Like, dang, you know, I know it was going to come with all of that. But the Bible says, Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, we're not fighting. I say this so many times. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Okay. Spoiler alert. Go ahead and flip over there to Revelations. It's all good. It's all good. But until that time comes, we still have to fight. It's not about you. The thing is, is that we are at war. Remember I say you guys all the time, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wickedness and rulers in high places. Satan says he will curse you to your face. This is the whole point. The reason why you go through trials is because Satan wants you to curse God to his face. The Bible says that in all that Job suffered, he did not charge God with wrongdoing. And sometimes when things happen to us, we get so put out with God. We get so put out with God. And we think to ourselves, how could you be as loving as you claim to be? How could you be, you know, as merciful as you claim to be? How? And you allow this to happen. But let me tell you something. The Bible says, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What that means is the earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to the Lord. You, me, everything. We can lay claim, believers, to nothing. How do I know? You make a wind come through and knock down half of Florida. You make a wind come through and knock down the bottom of Texas. You do it. You can't do it because it doesn't belong to you. The wind is his. The water is his. We're here on lease. We're here on loan. And so everything you have belongs to God. God allows in his mercy and his love allows you to be a steward over possessions and people. You think it doesn't break my heart that my child doesn't belong to me? I carried her. He allowed me to carry her is the proper way to say that. I'm her mom. He's her dad. He gave her to me. He ordained the process by which children come into this world, not me. So when you lose things, when you lose people, God is still praiseworthy. You haven't lost anything that didn't belong to him first. You have not lost anything that did not belong to him first. So don't fall for the trap. Don't curse God to his face. God is still worthy to be praised. And I will tell you this, when you are going through trials, your response will determine the outcome. You'll hear this more than once in this series, but the Bible says in everything, give thanks. Because Job, he goes through. He goes through. As we go through this series, you will hear Job goes through depression, despair, suicidal thoughts. But here's the blessing in it, believers. Thanksgiving comes from the knowledge that God has an intentional purpose for your trial, that he trusts you to endure the battle, and that the provision is already attached to the problem. That's the blessing. No matter what you're going through, the provision 
the way out, the escape, the reward, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is attached to the problem. I'm going to date myself a little bit. Back in the days, we used to have these commercials, how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tussie Roll Pop? And this little owl was like, one, a two, a three, and then he just bit it and said, forget it, okay? He just bit it and said, forget it. The thing is, <laughs> if you want to get to the center, to the Tussie Roll, in the middle of the Tussie Roll Pop, you have to go through that hard outer shell. Brothers and sisters, if you want to get to the blessings, you are going to have to go through that hard outer shell. And it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It doesn't mean that that God doesn't love you. But going through trials is part of the process. And so here's my favorite part of pie class where the audience gets to reflect. Going back to the beginning when it discussed, um, you know, you giving all your efforts. And I had to think back to when things actually started getting better for me was when I started putting the same effort into myself and to the church that I was actually putting into the organization that I wanted to be great. And it just so things started to, you know, go disarray at the office. And it's like, well, what's what happened? Things were going so well. And then nothing was going right for my uh, my brand or the business that I was working on. And it wasn't until I made that shift investing that time where they both started to actually work well for each other. So that was my takeaway and just um, during today's lesson. The thing is, folks, is that even when you're going through, you know, there's a saying, if you're going through hell, keep going, keep going. Don't stop because the enemy's whole purpose is to get you to tap out. Okay, is to get you to deny and question your faith in God. The Bible says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The devil kind of works like quicksand. You know how quicksand works, right? If you fall into quicksand, the more you struggle, the more you sink, the faster you sink, actually. And so your best bet for survival is to be still, is to be still and allow God to be God. So believers, that is part one of the Job series. I know that it puts some things on your mind because it's a hard series. It's a hard series, especially when we've lost things and, and we go through, but God is still God. God is still praiseworthy. So you know if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, anything of that sort, you know you can hit me up at Dr. Shante Says, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believing Bigger with Dr. Shante. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow Dr. Shante, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Shante Says. Until next time, keep on believing bigger.